0: Everybody knows they're supposed to do their best, but what prevents them from doing their best is the fact that they're thinking about everything else.
1: Welcome to The One You Feed. Throughout time, great thinkers have recognized the importance of the thoughts we have. Quotes like, garbage in, garbage out, or you are what you think, ring true. And yet, for many of us, our thoughts don't strengthen or empower us. Thanks for joining us. Our guest on this episode is Tony Horton, the master behind the best-selling fitness series, P90X, P90X2, 10-Minute Trainer, and his latest 30-minute Dynamo, P90X3. He also has a brand new X-Series prequel called P90. Tony is a world-class motivational speaker and author of the top-selling books, Bring It, Crush It, and the incredibly motivating, The Big Picture. Tony believes that real and lasting change can happen when we commit to health as a lifestyle.
3: And here's the interview with Tony Horton. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the show, Eric. Pleasure, my man. I uh, am excited to have you on. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I have, uh, I have, I've jokingly talked before about having done your uh, some of your workouts, and uh, I've taken your name in vain a couple times, but in the in the best of ways, as I've watched those well, workouts.
0: You wouldn't be the first, Eric,
3: that's
0: for sure. <laughs> My ears are constantly ringing because
3: I, of it. I, I would imagine.
0: But I've gotten used to it. So,
3: so our show is called uh, The One You Feed, and it's based on the parable of two wolves where there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. And he says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops and he thinks about it for a second and he looks up at his grandfather and he says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So I'd like to start off by asking you what that parable means to you in your life and in the work that you do.
0: Well, I love that parable because it has a lot to do with some of the things that I used to struggle with when I was a wee lad. I used to feed all the wrong things, including my stomach. And um, I would feed my brain filled with uh, with sadness and depression and anxiety and fear and uh, and I would use all the words that would really give those those types of things, all the fuel it needed to sort of overwhelm me. Um, but obviously, the reason why I've been able to achieve uh, the success that I have to this point is because at some point I was fortunate enough to find the right books and seminars and mentors to begin to feed feed the better of the two, um, and uh, and now I just I just I just continue to make sure that I do that. And, and you know, the one thing is is that it's an ever changing world. Right. Um, you know, my industry, along with the other types of industries that help that help you know help me grow and improve, whether it be social media or building website or doing a YouTube channel or a podcast or or developing new programs it's not like you can repeat the same uh, techniques and practices uh, and philosophies over and over and over again hoping they're going to work out you have to kind con- of constantly re-educate yourself so it's not like things haven't changed all that much the challenges are still there it's just that I have to keep feeding feeding the good wolf uh, to be able to be able to get what I want to get out of life so that there's more laughter and humor and, and patience and joy and altruism and happiness in my life, and uh, and sometimes I think a, a lot of people who struggle, who are feeding the you know feeding the negative, are really to some degree just don't have the right information yet. Now, obviously, some people can change easier than others. They get the intel and they're good to go, and and they just make that 180 degree shift. But others kind of need a hammer over the head, or they need you know uh, a, a different form of rhetoric um, to be able to create the change that they, they want to change. You know, sometimes folks, you know, they need the tough love. Sometimes people need um, more understanding and, and more patience and a more gentle approach. And uh, it really depends on the individual. So, you know, it really comes down to what books, seminars, friends, family, co-workers, mentors, teachers, and coaches you have in your life. Right. And if you've got the kind that, that resonate with you, that make you feel good, that help you learn better, then you're good to go. But if, if you got the wrong ones, then you're going to really feel bad because you think, "Wow, here are some people that I, that on some level I respect, but uh, I'm not, I'm not getting better. It feels like I, I, what they're, what they're saying makes sense, but it doesn't resonate with me. And so that's, that's the tricky part sometimes. You know, you can walk into a yoga class and you can hear all kinds of things about how great yoga is and how important it is for balance and range of motion and, and inner peace and whatever. And you just get the wrong, you walk into the wrong instructor and you get hurt or there, there's nothing about it that seems like it should be yoga and it feels like something else. Then chances are, you'll never go to a yoga class again. So you never get to have that great experience. And so, um, and then you know most people would say, forget it, I'm out, uh, and others would rarely say, oh well, let me try it again with somebody else, or let me try it again with somebody else, and and uh, that's all important. So that that's what that means to me. I mean, you know and it's a long-winded answer, but it really does feel like if you you know if you don't like the company you keep, it's time to it's time to make new friends, uh, people who are living large and taking charge, and feeling good and exercising on a regular basis or eating great healthy food and have a sense of adventure and you just got to search them out and if they're not in your family if you don't have those kind of coworkers, if those aren't your friends that's that's a big scary thing to do to start looking for for new friends especially when you're not in high school or college and you kind of settled into your lifestyle it's very difficult but you know if you don't like where you live, then you've got you've to make a change. And, um, and that's what I did. I just started going – I just started signing up for things, and I started reading books that, that I'd heard about that have helped people. And, uh, and I started exercising and eating better. And so I created a, a chemical change, not only a physiological one, but also a, a mental and emotional change as a result of, of new behaviors that were, you know, pumping norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, all these things that I didn't even know existed that were happening inside of my brain – they so were changing my outlook about life, my willingness to sort of open up to new things, new adventures. And that's what exercising and eating right did for me. Um, yep. So there you
3: go. It's definitely, it's it's interesting how different people resonate with different things. And it certainly would be nice if it was uh, as easy as, um, you know, all of us just had to hear one thing one time and, and make the change. But obviously it takes, it takes more for certain people at at different points. You've written a new book called The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life. And um, this book is based on a lot of the work that you've done before, but it's a little bit broader than just a book about fitness. And you say that there's a, a physical, a mental, and an emotional component of each of your 11 laws, but that it's a good idea to start with the physical in each of them. Why do you recommend that?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we control. You know I mean, it's the same thing with our with food, that we control those two things. We control what we eat and what we do physically. and there's a lot of things that are outside of our control that create a lot of our problems. you know and so if you're if you're physically out of shape and you're nutritionally in big trouble, then you're just making life more complicated for yourself. And um, and you don't have to. So why not go after the things that you can control? Why not go after the physical? And so the crazy thing is purely based on the on the, on, on the on the science behind physical movement and what it does to the human brain. John Rady wrote a great book called Spark, and uh, you know a lot of this is just straight out straight out of John's book. And uh, you know he's a Harvard professor, and he's done a lot of study about the effects of physical activity on the human brain and how it changes your outlook purely by moving, and, and, you know, you don't have to run a half marathon, or do a mud run, or, or, you know, do a, a P90X chest and back routine, or a plyometric routine, but you do need to do something for about 20 minutes, with a relative amount of intensity, so that you get your heart rate up to pump more oxygen into your brain, so you get the, so you get the brain chemicals that literally create something called neurogenesis inside of the brain, it's, it's, it's molecules and proteins kind of vibrating, and finding themselves inside of your brain. It, it's, it's what most of us do when we're trying to do a cheek version of that through drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Drugs and alcohol will, will change your state immediately. You know, you do a couple shots of tequila and your personality is different. Your outlook is different. Your, your, the way you perceive a moment is different. You feel like, you just feel good. You feel like you're having a good time. But then, you know, you're sort of loading dopamine into your head. Um, and then the next day reveals a completely different situation, right? There's always a, there's always a downside to that kind of behavior, but there is no downside with the chemical, uh, uh, barrage that you get from exercise. It's just a healthier, cleaner, more natural version of getting it. You don't get it in the huge quantities. You get it in just the right quantities, So the next day you don't feel like, you know, you've been run over by a train. And, and, uh, and so, you know, every single law in the book, work together, you know, and they can, they work individually, but really it's a collection of of different things that I think that you, that people could do um, and follow so that the struggle is diminished and the pleasure factor goes up and the sense of adventure goes up and, and your state of happiness goes up. And, you know, it basically turns, this is for me this is the reason why I wrote them. It turned a C minus student with a speech impediment and a very negative outlook on life into somebody who was the opposite of that, and it happened through a better diet and regular movement. Um, and I, you know, and I've been at this stuff for 35 years, and I still believe in that today. And I've heard some amazing feedback. I got a uh, a note on my on my website from a young kid whose mother was an alcoholic, and um, having some real issues. You know, I mean, just stuck to drinking, and, and and I mean, I don't know what level. I don't know if she's a functioning alcoholic, but if she apparently was not a good mother, and uh, and it was kind of embarrassing for this kid to have a mom who was, you know, drunk a lot of the time. And she read the book, and she just stopped drinking and started exercising, and he has a completely different mother now. I mean, I never met this woman. You know, I never met him. All I got was this email that says, your book saved my mother's life. She's a completely different person. She's a motivator. She's a teacher. She's great company. She doesn't want to drink at all anymore, didn't have to go through AA, didn't have to go through counseling, didn't have to do any of those things. She got that from my book. Holy smokes. I mean, you know, I'm not here to endorse my book as a means for you to stop drinking and taking drugs. But if you follow what it is, drinking and taking drugs just don't fit into the the 11 laws. It's just virtually impossible. So you can read it, and then you can kind of break it down in your head and say, well, this makes sense. Now I have to figure out a way to sort of stop doing what I was doing and begin to do what Tony tells me to do because, you know, he was in a bad way. You know, I wasn't an alcoholic. I mean, I I drank a lot, you know, when I didn't know better because that's what everybody else was doing in the 70s and early 80s, right? And then I just thought, ah, this doesn't serve me anymore. I can't do these things and be the person I want to be. So I just stopped. I just stopped and uh, haven't ever looked back. I've never had any cravings for for drugs or alcohol of any kind, because it's just, it just uh, goes against the grain of everything I believe in. And so if you believe in what's in the book, if you believe in those 11 laws, then you'll begin to make those uh, physical and nutrition, physical and uh, nutritional changes that will automatically change you, just you'll change your outlook. It's just those two don't, you know, those two worlds can't coexist.
1: And now, speaking of the show, back to the interview with Tony Horton.
3: Let's talk about a couple of the love and the laws. The first one uh, will be familiar to anybody who has watched any of your uh, videos, and it's one that I, I love. I think it's such a, a succinct and powerful statement, which is, do your best and forget the rest.
2: Yeah, I just like it. Play.
0: Any kind of a statement that rhymes, I don't know why. <laughs> Me too. I'm like Muhammad Ali, you know what I mean? That was something he used to be pretty good at. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, when you break that down, everybody knows they're supposed to do their best. But what prevents them from doing their best is the fact that they're thinking about everything else. You know, they're comparing themselves to the past, they're comparing themselves to other people. Um, uh, they're just judging it and the rest is the judgment that you attach to whatever, public speaking, you know, achieving a certain amount of success uh, during a sports event, uh, you know, hoping that you can do as many pull-ups and push-ups as you could do 10 years ago when you were exercising on a regular basis when you were in high school. You know, there's all this noise Uh. in our head that prevents us from doing our best. And so if you understand that your best, even if you're somebody who's in great shape and eating right, changes on a daily basis it changes daily forget about weekly monthly it just changes all the time and there are things that are out of our out of our control I mean there might be a certain amount of stress that you're dealing with that's the rest there might be a certain uh, lack of sleep as a result of you know whatever uh, you had too much to eat and then now you're not sleeping well that's something else that's going to affect it things like barometric pressure temperature in the room um, biorhythms. uh uh, you know, getting over a cold. There's just so many other things that affect our ability to be able to perform on a very high level. Sometimes LeBron James scores 45 points. Sometimes he doesn't, you know, sometimes he wins games and sometimes he outright loses, loses, you know, and that's just the nature the very best in the world have their good days and bad, but they show up, you know what I mean? And then you get into one of the other laws when it's You know about consistency. Consistency is another one, or having a plan. That's another one. They all kind of work together so that you know you're achieving the main goal, which is just doing your best in the moment, not judging what's happening, and being okay with the outcome, and then coming back the next day.
3: So let's talk about uh, that that law. Consistency reigns supreme. Give me some give me some examples of what you're talking about there.
0: The more you do, the better you get. The more you do, the better you get. So if you if you're struggling with pull ups. And, and p90x or x3 only has pull-ups once or twice in the week in that cycle then you have to be creative and you have to figure out when you can create other opportunities to work on your pull-ups and for me it's handstands i love trying to work on handstands but i really don't i'm not able to hold them consistently partly because i don't i don't work on them enough There's handstands aren't aren't involved in too many of my weekly workouts, so I have to find some side time in the morning at the end of the day just to get upside down and see how long I can hold three or four handstands. Now, I'm not consistent with that, and so that's the reason why I'm not getting better. You've got to be consistent with your diet. You've got to be consistent with your sleep. You've got to be consistent with with all the other things that you need to do in your life so that you can survive. I mean, it's funny. We're really consistent with the types of things, um, that we know that we have to do so that we can be a normal human being in this country. So we get a certain amount of sleep, hopefully enough to be able to function the next day. And most of us are probably short on that, you know, and that's another chapter. But And so that's one. Number two, geez, I'd better go to work if I want to have stuff and I want to be able to eat and I want to have shelter and I want to be able to go out once in a while and go to a movie or go to dinner, you know. So obviously a job is super important to have. But you know, eating, breathing, work—these uh, are this is standard fare that everybody, most people, obviously most folks who you know aren't in real you know trouble, maybe with not being able to find a job or somebody who's homeless or something. We're talking about the average person who at least has a job and and can feed themselves and have a car or have a form of transportation. But most of those folks are in survival mode. They're just in pure survival mode. There really isn't the level of joy and enthusiasm and adventure in their life that, they, that I think a lot of them would like to have. So if you're consistent and you're willing to work hard to get better, because consistency, if, you, if I'm working out three days a week, that's not consistency. Even if you think working three days a week every week, Consistency is going to consistently it's going to do something. It's not. It means that you're taking four days off, and the four days away from exercise and good diet are going to certainly win over the three days that are on. So consistency is more days on than off, and I'm even talking more than four days a week. So I'm talking about five and six days a week. I plan workouts seven days a week. I have a workout planned out seven days a week, and I know I'm not going to hit it all seven days. I'm going to miss three or four, sometimes five in the course of a month. But if I have seven planned, my odds go way up, and so that way I can be consistent. I will only miss maybe one or two at the most during the course of a week, and then that means I'm going to get about 22 days in at the, at the end of the month. If I get my 22 to 25 days in of exercise in the course of a 30-day month average, I'm going to see gains. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to stay flexible or get more flexible. Uh, I'm going to stay strong. My endurance is going to be great, and the years are going to are going to keep click and buy, but that level of consistency without judgment, doing your best and forgetting the rest, uh, will mean, means that you're going to improve. And most people after their mid twenties do the opposite of that. If they don't improve. They start to go into decline because they're not generating enough new muscles and cells and soft tissue and, and ligaments and, you know, stimulating the blood and the oxygen and through fitness. They're just they're just going to work and they're just driving their car and they're going to the movies and having dinner and then they their posture starts to get bad and they you know and then there's the the arteries around their their heart start to, you know, fill up with cholesterol, and then they're vulnerable in their, who knows, as early as their late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and cancer and heart attack and hypertension and diabetes and blah, blah, blah. And why is there a health care crisis in this country? It's not because of gunshot wounds, broken bones, and car accidents. It's because we do not move and we do not eat right. That is plain and simple. That is the number one reason why there's a health care crisis. And the two things that we can control – How we move and what we eat would fix it in half a year. If everybody signed on, that's it. I'm over it. I'm part of the problem. I'm going to do what Tony says. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to do my best and forget the rest. And For the first month, I'm going to walk around the block because before, I would just sit in my butt and watch TV. And I'm also going to be consistent with that. I'm going to do that not once or twice a week. I'm going to do some kind of movement five to seven days a week, and then all of a sudden, the health care crisis goes away.
3: Yep. That's a great point you make there, which is about that, um, you know, I'm going to start by, by walking around the block because that consistency is so important. You know, I always say a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. So it's better to do something um, than to continue to do nothing. And, and what you're pointing at there is it's okay to start smaller, start easier. We don't all have to start at, at the same point. What's important is to start
0: absolutely right I think what happens to a lot of people and the reason why their greatest intentions in the world turn out to be a failed attempt is because they get caught up in some sort of a trend or some something that's beyond their ability beyond their physical um, uh, ability and and so you know your friends are all doing a spinning class or soul soul cycle class and you get in there and you're ten minutes in you feel like your heart's gonna burst you weren't ready. You know what I mean? So, what do you, so you have two options. A, be discouraged and not do anything, or B, try something else, or try something else. And it's really that simple. And so everybody else is like, hey, man, why are you doing a 10-minute workout that doesn't work? Well, it's beating the living crap out of the zero-minute workout that I used yep. to do before. You're right. A whole lot of a little is off, it beats the crap out of a, a whole lot of uh, nothing. And so your only job is to say yes to something. And if it doesn't work, you say yes to something else. If that doesn't work, you say some, you say yes to something else. And you just keep saying yes. I mean, the fact that whatever you've tried maybe didn't resonate with you, was too hard, overwhelmed you, got you injured, that just means that you picked the wrong thing. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you don't try again. I mean, that's just crazy. Right. And that's that's all I'm telling people to do. So I have P90X, X2, x um, and I also have 10-minute trainer. And I have, pow- and I have P90, and I have Power90. I mean, I've created enough programs, I and mean, let's say you're a Tony Horton fan and you like my stuff. It's not like you don't, it's not like you don't have options. You've got tons of options, and so um, if walking around the block and maybe getting off the of donuts, just I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna eat everything except for the donut thing that I'm hooked on to, you know, five or six a day, or maybe I'll go from five cups of coffee down to three. You know, these aren't massive changes, and we're not telling people to, you know, we need you to quit smoking, go vegan. And do P90X six days a week for the next two years. You know, we just we just overwhelm ourselves with techniques that are beyond us, and we don't have to. I didn't start that way. I, I went to. The, I remember the first time I went to the gym when I was moved out to California, and I hadn't really been in the gym. I mean, I played tennis and golf, and I skied, and I and I would do push-ups in my basement, but I didn't really know about all these machines and all these classes. And I remember the first time going in there and just following somebody. I you know, somebody I met and goes, oh, let me run you through this routine. And I went into the locker room and threw up. <laughs> you no, know, because I didn't, I, I didn't know his pace. I didn't know I couldn't lift his weight. And here I am. I'm lucky I didn't, you know, tear the labrum in my shoulder or, or jack my lower back or something. I just, I was working too fast and too furious for the state of fitness I was in. And I went into the locker room and threw up. And so I was, you know, wise enough to come back and say, hey, let's not do that again. Let's Can we slow things down and lift less weight and, and ease our way into it? And he was a cool guy. And he said, yeah, sure, absolutely. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> and that's why when you look at my programs, there's, there's three versions. There's three gears that you can put your body through. There's, you know, there's an extreme gear and a modified gear and the one in between. And so if you're smart enough and you're not trying to compete with the people who have been through the program, you know, three times and through test groups and are, you know, athletes and you're just, you know, you're a mother of four who's 35 years old and hasn't worked out since high school, and you use the mo- use the modified version of whatever exercise I'm showing you, you're gonna be fine. You're not gonna go into your bathroom and throw up. You're gonna come back and wanna do it the next day. So
3: Yep, that's that you know, forgetting the rest part is all that comparison to how everybody yeah. else is, how I should be
0: just be mellow. I mean I my, my I had a conversation with my sister the other day. She said, Yeah, I just can't run anymore. I know, and I said, I know you're fifty, but you know, you don't run consistently enough so that your body is used to the pounding you know, you, A, you probably want to switch out your shoes because I know you're running the same shoes all the time. So just switch the shoes out, create a new cushion, try to keep off the sidewalk and the cement, run on run on grass and go to a track, and just don't run as far or as fast as you used to. You can't compare your run today, having not run in three years or consistently in the last three years, to how you ran three years ago. It just, it just doesn't make sense. You know, I've been running at the UCLA track, for on and off for a couple of years, and only just now, two years in, am I feeling like I've got the technique and the stride and the stamina and the endurance to be able to get through these track workouts without feeling like both my hamstrings are going to explode. It's just taking it slow and taking it easy and not comparing myself to everybody else who's there. Yeah. I'm just doing my best, forgetting my rat, forgetting the rest, and showing up to that track consistently without being attached to whatever outcome I hope happens. That's just, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you know, if you've got some kind of belligerent coach who's screaming and yelling at you in the football team, you're going to end up in one of two, three places. You're going to end up on the first string, second string, or the special teams, not based on your, on your, on your fitness or your athleticism, based on what the, where the coach thinks you should go based on your performance, you know, during practice. And that's why I ended, I ended up on the practice squad because my coaches, you know, they would find the best athletes, the best coached ones prior to our arrival at, at the high school level. And, you know, I just, I just came in too late. I wasn't very big. I wasn't terribly athletic. And it's a, it's a miracle that I made the team. I, I, rarely, I think I played five downs an entire season. Um, it was a great lesson for me. It, it taught me how not to train people. Because that doesn't get the best out of people. That just categorizes folks based on, you know, some arbitrary thing, um, and um, and that's why I do it differently. That's why I wrote the book.
3: What lesson do you think it has taken you the longest to learn in your life?
0: Oh, this question.
3: <laughs> it's back.
0: <laughs> uh not to freak out. Not to freak out about things. You know, I am my father's son. My father was uh God bless him, you know, he would he would really let things spin him around, you know what I mean? And I just need to let things move in in in, uh, in a very organic natural way and be okay with the outcome and I'm not talking about the physical so much that the fitness thing I have now but I'm talking about building businesses or dealing with with certain personalities or uh, being involved in in maybe a project that seems to sort of overwhelm me Um, and just making sure that I'm prepared for things more that's a lesson I still need to learn uh, to be a better listener to be more patient and um, and to be okay with reality You know, I mean, that's why that's in the book. Uh, Reality is that thing that's actually happening to you as opposed to your your convoluted uh, perception of it, you know. And so what is actually happening, you know? Uh, Well, what's happening right now? You and I are on a call, right, Eric? Yep. And we're having a conversation. So it's up to me to just listen to the question, be as authentic and honest as I can be, and uh, and not try to enhance it or perform or, or be anything other than I am, you know. I mean, if you have my fitness DVDs, you know, I'm a bit of a fitness clown. I'm a little bit animated, but I have more than one gear, you know. I mean, I, and, and, this, and this conversation with you is a, is a more serious one based on my experiences, my beliefs, and, and what's in the book. And so um, I think a lot of people are, you know, there's the person that we are and the person that we want to be quite often and it's very rare that the person that you are is the person that you want to be (laughs) and so the 11 laws that will change your life from the big picture are designed to um, bring those two things together so that the person that you want to be uh, is the person that you are uh, to everyone around you you know and instead of the smoke and mirrors version of you you know I can't tell you how many people that you look at them on the surface and you think man they really got their act together but with just a little bit of investigation, you learn that, man, their life is chaos, they're out of control, uh, it's going bad at work, their relationship with their wife or husband is bad, their kids hate them, um, they're eating and drinking in ways they shouldn't be, uh, there's no exercise in their life whatsoever, but man, when you, on the surface, they seem great. So, you know that they don't want to be that shadow version of themselves. They want to be the person, uh, you know, that they've always wanted to be. They want to have their act together. They want to feel good. They want to. Uh, they want to have, you know, some hobby that really inspires and excites them. They want to have a great relationship with their spouse. They want to be able to relate to their kids on a level so that their kids are more their friend than than, than their enemy. You know, and these are, these are, that all takes work. It all takes effort. It all takes, uh, you know, re educating yourself. Um, and, uh, quite often, you know, most of us just stop learning after high school and college. And we take all these, you know, thoughts that are aging, our thoughts and concepts and philosophies are aging as quickly as our, you know, our, our mind and our body. Uh, and, you know, there's new phones out. You to keep your old one or you figure out, you know, you need to get a smartphone, you get to keep the flip phone, but flip phone ain't going to work for you very well. And you're not going to be able to communicate and do the things that everybody else is doing. Um, you know, and so you either buy the new phone and figure it out or you live in the past. And it's that way with diet. It's that way with exercise. It's that way with with everything, you know, and uh, the world's evolving. And if you're not willing to evolve with it, then you are going to be uh, at two extreme levels as to who you are, the person you are and the one you want to be, and it'll never come together unless you're willing to learn how to be better and how to grow and how to change.
3: Excellent. Well, Tony, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I've really enjoyed the conversation, and, and I enjoyed the new book, and uh, I appreciate you being willing to uh, do this again.
0: Well, Eric, my pleasure. I know we had some technical difficulties. Yes. But uh, the first time we chatted, all my answers were wrong. <laughs> I them wow. all up. No truth in any of them. Um, I was high as a kite. No, you're not kidding.
3: <laughs> that would have been fun, but no, I don't think that I mean, was the... That would the, have been uh... like a pretty different interview.
0: But no, I'm glad we were able to redo it, and, uh, and I hope uh, folks enjoy I, I enjoy talking with you. I like your questions. Quite often you get sort of the same, you know, 10 questions all the time, and you had some really unique ones. Make me think. You know, you, you keep me on my toes, and that's a good thing.
3: All right. Well, thanks so much, Tony. I appreciate it. Have a great afternoon. You too, Eric. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: You can learn more about Tony Horton and this podcast at oneufeed.net slash Horton.